Happy Wednesday to everybody. This is Minute 58 of the Airport Minute. Uh, thanks for coming back. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm host number two, Mark Cerulli of CovertOps.tv. And once again, we are joined by a very special guest, uh, Mr. Paul Sullivan. That's right. I'm Paul Sullivan. I'm the host of the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, which I do a 365 original podcasts a year about baseball. And when you're hearing this or when it's first dropping, I am going to be near the fourth anniversary of doing one every single day without missing a beat. It is mind boggling, but that is, that I'm is feeling amazing. tired just hearing about that, <laughs> but uh, great, great work. And it's, it's nice having a, a seasoned pro at this, uh, as we uh, slog through the greatest uh, disaster movie ever made. Uh, we are still watching the uh, antics of Ada Quonset, played by Helen Hayes, as she lures her unsuspecting uh, uh, toady flunky of TGA, Peter Coakley, to the ladies' room of uh, Lincoln International Airport. Tunky, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, toady surfer, I would call him. You know, flunky yeah, surfer. as I mentioned previous, I don't buy for a second. This guy's from Chicago. This guy's from this guy's from Malibu. This guy just he just cut. He's run when he runs off. To you know, he shuts the door and he runs off. He's just in his mind. He's like, if I could, if I only I was cutting a tube now. If only I was cutting okay. a tube. Yeah. I'm going to Carbon Beach right now. By the way, he looks like there's a couple of shots here when he's looking down at 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 uh, Ada Quonset before she goes into the fake woman's room. Uh, that he looks like uh, the only way I could describe it is George Papard's dumb son. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's uh that that perfectly coiffed hair. Yeah, and, it's uh, like you know, it's a little bit of breakfast. If you know, breakfast Tiffany, he was just he's obviously younger than George Papard, and he's obviously dumber than George Papard. So it's that's like if George Papard had freight, if there was Fredo Papard, then uh, <laughs> it would he would look like uh, what the hell is his name again? He's uh, uh, Peter Co- uh, Coakley here. Which Peter is, Coakley, yeah, played by yeah. Uh, John Finlater. Finlater. Finlater, yeah. Who, yep. who uh, yeah we. We hope to connect with him, <laughs> but uh, it, you know, I think he did come. the best he he could with with the material they gave him. Oh, I think he's great. Oh no, yeah, he, Oh, I think he's he, terrific. That he has to play a guy who obviously has a big heart, obviously wants to do a good job, uh, and is just totally played by this old woman who is just flirt. She just is is loving the fact that she has everyone in this airport eating out of her hand and that she's about to con the airport, con the airline with someone whose job it is to make sure she's not going to con the airline. That She's like, no, you all you all think so little of me because I'm a little old lady and I'm going to use that to my advantage. And that's why she's such a badass character that she's like, the thing that you think makes me vulnerable is the thing that makes me able to beat you. Yeah, he does play the perfect mark, and it is a, a thankless a thankless role. Just from an, I mean, if he, if he does his job right, you don't notice him, or I mean, you, you you impress him. I don't know who had the more thankless role. Would you say that it was the Coakley role, or would you say it's a, a Donna Winter's role as a Mrs. Bakersfeld? Because she has she at nothing... least had a lot of range. I mean, I mean, Coakley is pretty subservient throughout the whole movie. Yeah, he comes across as more. He's kind of the uh, Kenneth from. Uh, 30 rock but not uh you know he he means like 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 you said so he means well but it's just it's not working yeah i, I don't those... think either role as an actor either um um 
either he or, or Burt Lancaster's wife as, as an actor is a thankless role because he has a specific, look at if he played this flat or you didn't feel a sense of empathy for him or, you know, like, you know, he's, he, he thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's being a good guy. And, you know, and that the fact that this shows you a little, it's a real deep dive into Helen Hayes's mindset that mm-hmm. she sees this vulnerability and says, I've got him. Instead of saying, hey, he means well, and he's going to get right. just barbecued for this. It's like, no, I'm going to, because she sees him as the weak link in something that she has to defeat. So there's a, there is a, this is a very funny scene, obviously, and it's one of my favorite scenes in the film, and you wind up rooting for her. But there is an element of like going, wow, she just does not give a crap about this guy. She does not, this guy's probably going to lose his job, and she doesn't care. Yeah. And the music, as she comes out the door, uh, after, after Coakley runs off to get a doctor, that, wonderful alfred newman uh theme that just plays up the whole ada quanta thing yep uh is is astonishing and it rolls seamlessly one big take there it's a great as, shot uh, isn't it isn't it a wonderful it, shot it just rolls right into van heflin at the insurance gate yeah and and they were all you know st- standing outside waiting for their part to come up so and all those people had to hang back uh, it was an amazing, I wonder if it was a single take or how many times they had to do that, but just keeping all those people quiet to get, you know, and th- this is on location. So those, those people in the background are probably local talent, you know, and they're shooting this at maybe one or two in the morning because it's in the off hours of MSP. So what a, what an arduous scene and to get. She kind of glides through the crowd, you know, that little whimsical smile on her face. Yeah. yeah, and then yeah, the way she disappears into the crowd is is amazing. That there's well, and, and back up for just a little second before we get into her because we had talked about in the previous minute how that is clearly not a bathroom door; that is clearly yep. a closet door. But the whole thing is there for that moment at around uh, thirty five seconds where where the Beach Boy runs off, and then the door pops right open. Mm-hmm. She does one yeah. quick little peek. The music kicks in. And yeah, you couldn't do that with a normal, you know, bathroom door. So she kind of then, the minute she kind of folds her hands, and then that little grin shows up, and that she knows if she, she just blends into the crowd. Like who's gonna, who would stop her? Who would yeah, stop that, her? That... It, and there is something to be said. I just wanted to say one thing, which is one of the nice things about this movie that they do understand that you, they they inner cut certain things they intercut certain characters we create a connection she disappears in the crowd like who would suspect me and then the camera goes right over to van heflin who is the most suspicious character like super suspicious (laughs) character and it's also a sense of these two people are going to be sitting next to each other and they both are committing a crime but one is who does it hurt it hurts an airline it hurts a you know big company and this other person is potentially going to kill everyone on the plane. Mm. And that's, you know, it's it's almost, as if you watch it again, knowing who they are, sort of subliminally you connect the two of them. That, yeah, these are, they're, they're two ostensibly bad guys in terms of people the authorities would want to capture. But one is light and fluffy, and the other is, you just know, is just truly disturbed. 
yeah, he's at a really dark place in his life, and she's really, this is how her whole life runs. So it's not, right. you know, there's, this is just another bump on the road, but she's over that bump. And another thing is that she is a seasoned pro at it. She knows exactly what to do. And Van Heflin is making it up as he goes, you know, doesn't, hasn't crossed all of his I's and dotted all of his T's and, um, and, and is, doesn't even know that to act a certain, if he's acting in a way that is, would, would, uh, get Lloyd Nolan and anyone else with a pair of eyes to go, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. He was fortunate enough to be living in 1970. So I, I can't help but notice the guy at, uh, the one minute mark who, uh, I think he watched the big Panavision or the uh, Todd AO camera roll into view, and he had to sneak a look right at the lens. Well, let me uh, see. Let me see. Oh, yeah, we have to. Oh, so you mean uh, Steve Allen on the right there? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, balding Steve Allen. Balding um, Steve Allen on the right, going like, well, think about it. This was probably how many takes was this? You know, that yeah, they've this... gone. It goes from the the bathroom door to here. I wonder if that had something to do with it too. That they had another door, and they're trying to line up this shot, and they're like. To hell with it. You know, we'll put, you know, we'll just put a, go to the regular door and do it there. Yeah. This is on location. It's not like this is a set that's built in Pinewood. So this is, this is something that they had to choreograph. And I'm sure, you know, they, they moved the camera. And if the only fault in this shot is, you know, Steve Allen looking, glancing at the camera to make sure I'm standing right. Oh, damn it. The camera's pointing at me. Damn it. You know. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw it. The other thing that I, I noticed when I was watching this minute was the other guy is holding a uh, a briefcase, and then there's the the guy in the brown coat in the middle. He's holding a brief. I keep thinking they've all got different bombs. Yeah, trying to get on right. different planes. Like, can I get but, another two hundred twenty-five thousand dollar policy? Thank you. Yeah, and bon, and bon, and Bunny is there. Like, and do you have a bomb? Is that? Oh, I see you have the bomb policy. Okay, we'll fill that out for you. I'm gonna win that contest. So it's uh, yeah, it's quite a it it is quite a very complicated camera shot, and uh, it tells you know it moves the story along, and it moves us back and forth between uh, plot number four and plot number three. I, 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 there's nine different plots in this movie, so you know it, trying to get between them without having to do a cut to something else. This it's a nice segue without being uh, uh, obtrusive. I don't know if you uh, talked about this in one of the previous minutes, but um, I mean I I don't know, uh, but you must have brought up the fact that it's it's if this was made today, you probably wouldn't cast Van Heflin to play someone named Dio Guerrero. You know, the right. same way that right. you know Maureen Stapleton is one of the the great actresses of all time, but you know she plays what is it Yanez Guerrero? Yeah, Inez Guerrero. Inez yeah, well, Guerrero. There, there there is a line coming up in about ten minutes where uh, Dio is sitting next to uh, yeah. Ada on the plane and. She said, "You look more Irish than Spanish." I'm and convinced so he said, that was put in to to yeah. It's like to how explain, to explain how do we, we put, explain yeah. that Van Heflin, obviously great actor, Academy Award winning actor, was in Shane and his great films. I'm not, I'm not, and he's wonderful in the movie. I'm not I'm not belittling yeah. him as an actor or even the performance he gives, which is which is wonderful. But you know, his, his name's Guerrero, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's on his uh, mother's side. Yeah. <laughs> It's on, it, it's up there, but yeah, I mean this this whole movie would be diff- differently cast, and I don't think they'd have that many big names at once. Well, um, the days of, uh, I mean, unless it's Avengers or something like that, yeah. it, th- th- this many characters. Although this was the start of that whole love boat casting thing that they were, you know, the the blockbuster disaster films with a host of uh, P 
people who were stars 10, year bef- 10 years before. That kind of uh, also kicked off with this movie, the Grand Hotel idea yeah. that moved into the modern day. I think one of the things that's interesting is that you used to see in not all of them, but in a lot of those Bible epics, there would be some cast of like, you know, great stars with, you know, Cleopatra or, or I know it's not a Bible epic, but, you know, it's those sand and sandal films or yeah. greatest story ever told or King of Kings where you would see or where there would be a big cast. I mean, greatest story ever told like was ridiculous. It was like, well, we've got John Wayne to play the centurion. We've got Sidney Poitier to play, you know, this one here. And, 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 you know, it, it just like you couldn't, Go. I, I think Van Heflin may have been in that one too. I may be wrong, but you know, and you would have these big epics, or you have an epic like Around the World in Eighty Days, or these films which are which were chock full of stars, but they tended to be more period pieces. And this is in the seventies where we started to see, you know, more realism. But you still have this desire to go to the movies and see a crap load of stars together. So this is where. You know, it's it's an airport. It's shot in an airport. It's on. You know, it's trying to be you know realistic and everything, but it's it's replaced the sword and sandals uh, epic. Yeah, it's, the, it's a fifty. It's a fifties movie made in nineteen seventy. I mean, all the the attitudes in the movie and uh, and like you said, the scope is just it 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 is a fifties. You're expecting a, a cinemascope production on this whole thing. And it's funny though. It's a cinemascope production. Of which so much of the tension revolves around: Will we move a plane that's stuck in the snow, or will he sign an insurance policy, or will this bus make it through a traffic jam? You know, it seems, you know, it's not that the film doesn't work. Obviously, it, it you know, it does. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about this a minute at a time if it hadn't. But it's it's when you when I rewatched it and I think of, man, some of the things that are yeah that are portrayed and we're used to even in some of the later airport films which just got more and more ridiculous you know this is the one that seems grounded in reality as opposed to the one with jack levitt at the bottom of the ocean yes the, exactly or the you or know the one where, or george kennedy the, shooting a flare at the, the yeah, window the concord yeah. one which is like it got to the point where it was it didn't quite have the realism of flash gordon at the end it was like <laughs> Petroni is suddenly a pilot, and you know it's like and their big star is Martha Ray and Jimmy Walker. It's like hmm. that's right. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, it. I mean, you know, never lose the franchise. I think that's what Universal's uh, idea was. And the, the weirdest thing was that uh, Wasserman hated the idea of a big budget uh, disaster movie like this, but it kicked off a lot of cash for. Uh, Universal in the seventies. Not only the airport series, but things like Earthquake and uh, oh, and the Towering Inferno and Towering and, Inferno, yeah. and uh, um, you know Poseidon Adventure and and you know even Meteor, which, yeah, yeah, the yeah uh, Meteor. You get Connery for that one. So, uh, by the way, my favorite. Uh, I know we're not doing uh, the Concord Airport seventy nine, and for good reason. But um, it has one of my – I remember I was watching that with a bunch of buddies of mine in, in high school used to watch crap films. And we we, we rented – this is in the, the late 80s, early 90s, you know, kind of mystery science theatering the, the movie. And we rented um, Airport 79, the Concord, or I think it was called the Concord colon Airport 79. And right. it had one of my favorite lines, one of my favorite terrible lines in a film where – one of the the obligatory romance that happens in it, and um, he says uh, this man hasn't seen the stewardess for a long time, and she says, "You haven't changed. You're even more beautiful." And we point out that that is a change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
you well, just yeah. got, you know, you, you, you don't make your pickup line contradict yourself there. But. Yeah. yeah, well, they were probably writing the script the week before they were shooting. Him. I don't think there was a script. I think it was a series of post-it notes that were everywhere. We'll shoot this sides, today. yeah, little sides. Here you go. Here's what we're doing today. You remember Petroni's horrible line? When he was the pilot, inexplicably, yes. the, you know the the worst line in the world, which was in Airport seventy nine in the Concorde, which um, is when the uh, the the flight attendant comes to the back and says, oh, "Okay, a black coffee." You know, how do you like your coffee? And the, the 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 co-pilot says black, and Petroni says black, and the navigator says black, and she's and the the stewardess is like all hot and bothered by that. Said three black coffees. It's like you pilots are such men, and Petroni just says. They don't call it the cockpit for nothing. Oh, gosh. And I think no. at that point they just said, cut, we're wrapped. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> movie's over. That works. We're oh, no God. I, I have to watch that. that. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll, be, we'll be following that up if, if this thing ever keeps going with, uh, with the other movies. We have, to, we have to slog through 75 and 77. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing what it you know, devolved into. Oh, but, yeah. You know, here... Here we have we have Helen Hayes and Van Heflin in one single minute just, you know, crossing paths for the first time. With a zillion and, extras. Yeah. <laughs> the the entire city of uh, Minneapolis right. is behind them. It's, they probably left this and then went out and did the uh, opening credits for Mary Tyler Moore. Um, right, where she threw her ferret in the air. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, this is another minute, I think, put to bed. And uh, it, it was a, a good minute it was. Uh, but we will continue more uh, tomorrow for Thursday. So if you join us back here, we will find out where everybody's going and when they're going to get on that silly plane. Um, if you'd like to talk some more about this, we are always open for conversation on several media, uh, social media. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter at Airport Minute. You can talk to us on Facebook at Airport Minute. You can visit our great big website, uh, airportminute.com. And at the bottom of every episode, we have a comment section that you can drop stuff in. Uh, if you'd like to listen to us every day, you can subscribe on iTunes. Uh, just search for Airport Minute, and if you could, after you're subscribing, if you could leave us a really nice review, we'd appreciate that very much. Also, try out the fine products of uh, Universal Home Video, uh, which is available home entertainment now. I don't think they call it video anymore, but that's always available on every episode. It's kind of silly if you're almost an hour into this movie and you haven't seen the movie. Now's the time to get a copy and, uh, and watch it. And while you're waiting for tomorrow's episode, check out SullyBaseball.com and hear how a real pro knows how to do a podcast like Sully. In any case, please join us back here tomorrow, Thursday, and we will discuss some more uh, pre-flight checks on the Airport Minute. In the meantime, good day. Bye-bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling. Mm-hmm.